Hello everyone, this is the Fight or Flight podcast. My name is Lanre, and on today's episode, I'm going to be going over UFC 264, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier 3. This is a trilogy. Um, there's also a couple of other fights on the card that I'm going to be going over. Uh, Burns versus Thompson. This is a very stacked card. Um, maybe not, you know, huge names all the way through. But especially on the undercard and, and some of the main event cards like Sugar Shane O'Malley, Greg Hardy. On the undercard, you have, you know, just Jennifer Maya, Jessica I. Uh, you have Ryan Hall. So you have a ton of people on this card. Uh, but I'm going to focus primarily on the main event and the co-main event, which is Burns versus Thompson. And then some of the other ones, I'm just going to give you brief overviews of how I see the fight going or some of the picks on the undercard that I think you should be looking out for. I just watched the um, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor fight, the second one. Uh, and it's so interesting to watch that fight again. It's it's not necessarily the way that I thought it was. You know, sometimes when you're watching it live, you almost create a narrative. You're so, you know, nervous or whatever. You're so involved that the way you remember the fight is not always the way it goes. Um, in terms of the fight itself, you know, in the first round, Connor comes in super aggressive, not in terms of throwing, but just in terms of taking the center of the of the octagon. He wants to dictate very quickly that this is going to happen on his terms. And he's the aggressor as far as, you know, fainting, as far as trying to create the shot that he wants. You know, the, the thing that I noticed that is one, people have talked about the stance ad nauseum, right? Like he was in a boxer stance, he was planting very lev- very heavy on that lead foot. Um, all of that is very true. What I noticed, I think, is in terms of an attitude, the way he came out was somebody who expected to finish this fight early. He came out almost with no regard. When I say no regard, again, it's not that he came out and was just taking... I feel like he was taking unnecessary risks. And I feel like watching this fight again, there were so many things that he could have set up um, you know, with his fainting, with his distance management, you know, that would have gotten Dustin in trouble. When I watched this fight again, initially to me, there are a number of moments here where Dustin looks a little bit nervous. And like, those are things I didn't notice at the time. He looks a little bit, you know, um, timid is not the word, but just a little nervous a little bit, right? And the one thing I'll not- I noticed as well, I'll get to this at the end, soon as the fight changes, soon as... You know, okay, let me let me start with this first. The one of the the first things I noticed was the calf kicks didn't really start until the end of the first round. For some reason I thought that the calf kicks started, you know, early in the in the round and kind of just went through the first round and that's where the damage was done. The damage was done primarily in the second round for the calf kicks. In the first round, they they start pretty early into the fight. Connor, like I said, takes the center of the octagon starts trying to like you know search for that left hand um you can see that dustin is is again like i said to me he he looked a little bit nervous or just like he was trying to settle into the fight maybe that's a better way of saying it and within the first i think 15 20 seconds he shoots for a takedown and you know gets a takedown you can see that connor is very surprised because he's not prepared for it he gets to the you know to the the cage 
right away. So he tries to, you know, get his back on, on the octagon and then use that to be able to stand up. But then when he stands up, they still end up grappling for, you know, something like two or three minutes. So most of the first round is spent in that grappling exchange. I would say about a minute and a half left, almost two minutes to the end of the round. Um, they get up, they disengage. And then, you know, a lot of the striking actually really begins. Like there's some striking that's done in the grappling, you know, the shoulder strikes, the elbows, you know, the knees to the body, stuff like that. But for the most part, a lot of the striking starts when they disengage. In those moments early on, Connor had some success. The problem I found was that the way that Connor would set up the shots, two things would happen. One, he would launch. Like, so every time he was trying to get that left hand, he would end up in a position where he was out of balance. That worked initially because Dustin did not anticipate what Connor was doing. So they were, he was landing because it was catching Dustin because it was so quick. But you can see that Dustin makes an adjustment to the timing. And so what he ends up doing is he steps out just enough that he is out of the, out of the range of the punch. And then because McGregor is out of balance when he throws his left, you know, that lunge, he can't escape. So the counters from Justin start landing. The other thing is, by the end of the first round, when Connor goes back, Justin has now landed a few leg kicks. So those last minute and a half, Justin has landed maybe one or two solid calf kicks, right? So now the second round begins. Um, Connor comes out again, aggressive. He's walking him down. He's being the aggressor. He's not waiting for counter strikes. He's not really even trying to set this stuff up. All he's doing is I'm going to walk you down. You're not going to be able to deal with my speed. You know, this left hand is going to come, but you're not going to be able to stop it. The second round starts again. Dustin is still on the back foot, still on the back foot, but is doing a much better job in the exchanges. Now he's countering. The one thing that I noticed that I didn't notice before is soon as, you know, because again, in the second round, I'm thinking Justin is landing these calf kicks. Connor is slowing down. Connor is kind of slowing down, but he's, he never stops being the aggressor until the very end. And, and that's the thing that I think shocked me almost more than anything rewatching this fight. As soon as Connor stops being the aggressor, it's over. Like, when I say it's over, it's over in less than, like, 20 seconds. Like, there's a calf kick that um, Justin lands. Uh, he lands the calf kick. Uh, McGregor is also then trying to, like, so McGregor steps on that foot, is trying to land a punch. Justin lands the calf kick. But then you can see that because McGregor steps heavy on that left foot, uh, sorry, steps heavy on that foot, and Justin lands the kick on that foot, as he's trying to plant a punch, it destabilizes him. So even, even though he's trying to throw the punch, he doesn't have any kind of, you know, you know, if your leg is not, if your leg is your foundation and your foundation gets taken out, you don't have anything to plant on. So your punch cannot really do anything. So Justin lands the left, le the uh, low calf kick. After he does that, he also lands another hook. And that's, you know, so the combination of McGregor not, you know, missing the punch, getting countered, destabilizes him. And you can see, literally, Justin is circling out after he lands the punch, not even really anticipating that the punch is going to do anything. 
And you can see McGregor just like his balance is off. And from that moment on, it's done. Like when you watch it again, like I just watched it. It's crazy how quickly Justin understands that, oh, this is now my fight. And from that moment on, he goes in. He does not let uh, McGregor breathe. He's landing hooks from each side. He's in a square stance. So when I say square stance, generally speaking, if you watch a fight, people are, you know, one leg is in front, one leg is behind. There might be different, there might be, um, there might be some discrepancy as far as like how far the legs are apart. But generally speaking, people don't stand square. Square is like your legs are almost uh, parallel to each other. So there you can draw a straight line across your feet and they will be in the same in the same spot for the most part. He goes square. And one of the reasons why you don't want to go square is because you're vulnerable to uppercuts. You're now square so I can hit you. All I have to do is pick a side go to that side and I can hit you. When I say pick a side, I mean my own footwork. I can step on your outside and I can pick your right or your left because you're square. And and you can't turn in time to face me once I am on the outside of you, right? So, but because he knew that McGregor was hurt, he immediately circles out, pushes McGregor to, to uh, pushes McGregor's back to the cage and is unloading. And from that point on, it's over. And this I'm talking about takes like 20 seconds. And, and it's shocking just to see how quickly it ends once McGregor is not the aggressor. And and I think, you know, in general terms, we've seen this with McGregor, right? Is once the fight stops going his way, it's like he, he unravels. You know, there's almost no other way to say it. Again, I'm not somebody who is disrespectful to, to fighters. Because fighting is not easy. It's it's not it's not like playing basketball. You don't play fighting. You can get knocked out. You can get hurt. You can get killed. You know. So I I don't I don't try to talk shit like you know, no, because the guys and the girls that do this are incredibly brave to get knocked out on, on when millions of people are watching is not something that is easy and it's not for the faint of heart. But I think we have noticed that. When things don't go McGregor's way in a fight, when they take him into deep waters, like Khabib says, he's not the same McGregor. And it's people talk about the fatigue, but the fatigue is part of it, right? Like people talk about, oh, he's his stamina is not. I, I don't know if that's what it is. I think once he's no longer the, the bully, he is he's not the same guy anymore. The problem he is going to have with just uh, with uh, Dustin um, Poirier is that this is who Dustin is. Dustin wants to go into the deep waters. If you see Dustin Poirier's resume, the fight against uh, Justin Gaethje, go look at that. That's all hard for both fighters. They revel in that like, oh, we're going to go to where I'm going to put everything on the line and we're going to see who's still standing. Those are the fights that Dustin Poirier loves. Look at the fight against Dan Hooker. Look at the fight against Max Holloway. And the people that I'm calling, these are like staple names. You know, the, the, the one time that we saw him struggle was with Khabib. And everybody struggled with Khabib. Literally everybody struggled with Khabib, right? So that you can't even really count that in my mind anyway. So that's where I think McGregor is going to have a problem in this in the third fight is that Dustin has now won the second fight, so he has all the confidence in the world. We're coming into the second fight. 
he remembers getting knocked out. And then even in the fight, even in the first round, you could see that there were a couple of moments there where he was, he got landed on flush, Dustin did, and he was a bit, you know, not woozy. He has a very good poker face, but you could see he was in a little bit of trouble in the second round as well. And so, you know, he was able to withstand that. That's why I think the grappling was 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 important because in that first minute where he was still trying to settle into the fight, he wanted to get into the exchanges with McGregor, slow it down, wear on him, grapple a little bit, change the narrative from just strikes, right? And so for me, um, while I think that there are a lot of things that McGregor could do, I just feel like, you know, from this from from the second fight. One of the biggest takeaways from a McGregor standpoint is that he was just, I don't want to say lazy as far as not trying, just lazy in the application of what he can actually do. You know, lazy in the application of it. It's like, it's like if you know that you can, you know, you know, a lot of you might have played some type of sports with your siblings or with your friends. Maybe there's a friend you know you're better at. You guys are playing basketball. And you, there's a friend that you, you know you're better at the basketball. And you decide, you know what, let's play till, you know, 21 or 11 or whatever. And you're like, instead of doing everything that I could do, I'm only going to shoot threes. You know, and you're faster than this friend. You can get to the hoop anytime you want. You can do a mid-range. You can, you know, and, and you're more lax with the person you're playing. You're saying, oh, I'm only going to shoot threes. You do whatever you want. I'm only going to shoot threes. And the person you're, you're playing against is telling is not doing any of that shit. They're going to the they're they're get, they're calling fouls. They're going to the rim. That's that's the kind of analogy. I, I you know I just kind of thought about that. So you know hopefully it makes sense. Um, but that's kind of the analogy. Is there was there was a you know I'm so much better than you. Kind of feel that I'm not gonna even do some of the things that I can do. You know, a lot of the team kicks, like the distance management that he normally has down pat, he, he wasn't. He was just picking the same type of punch over and over again. And and Dustin is an elite athlete. Like, this is somebody who has wins over, like I just mentioned, Dan Hooker, Max Holloway, um, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gagey, um, and on and on. So, you know, like... He's uh he's good like it's it's he's not kind of good or you know he's phenomenal, and so you have to have that respect. The problem, like coming back to Dustin now, Dustin has that confidence, and Dustin is going to be aware that if McGregor can't beat the bully, he's not the same guy. And so you know what is like for me when you watch a lot of Dustin Poirier's fights, a lot of them are five rounds. And even when he ends the fight, it's be, it's the accumulation of damage. It's not the one punch knockout. And so I think in this in this second fight and this third fight, you know, if I'm Dustin Poirier, I'm trying to grapple early, not because I want to grapple the whole fight, but because I just want to lean on him. I want to grapple for two rounds. Let both of us be tired. Let's get to the point where we're both fatigued. And I and knowing that I've been through these deep waters over and over again. This is where I live. And so in that third round, when you're tired and I'm I'm tired, I know I can dig in deeper than you can. Right? That that's what I would do if I was Dustin Poirier, right? On the McGregor side, I think he has to go back to distance management. I think he needs to let not needs, you know, I think it would be 
just as good for him to let Dustin be a little bit of the aggressor. What I think he doesn't want is to let Dustin get into a rhythm, but it's okay for him to let Dustin come to him a little bit so that he can counter. Let Dustin be the one throwing those punches and those kicks and you can counter. People talk about the calf kicks. I don't think the calf kicks are going to be an issue in this fight. I think McGregor is going to throw some calf kicks. I think Dustin is going to throw some calf kicks. But ultimately, I don't think it's going to determine the narrative of the third fight, right? And so for me, if I'm McGregor, I keep the distance. I'm, I pick and choose when I want to be an aggressor. I, I work on different types of setups, more fainting. You know, he's faster than he's. Okay, so this is it. Like, Connor is faster than Dustin, for sure. When you watch the exchanges, you can see that. And that's why he's, he doesn't, he takes, he'll, he'll start the exchanges instead of waiting for the counters, right? And he hits harder than Dustin as well. So those two things, if I'm looking at this fight, I'm saying to myself, if I'm McGregor, okay, this time I'm going to be more mindful of the distance management, right? I'm going to wear on him. And when I do hurt him, it doesn't have to be like a knockout. I'm going to be more aggressive about following up. There were instances where McGregor hit and hurt Dustin in the first round and in the second round to a lesser extent where he do, he's not a, as aggressive about finding the next one and the next one and the next one. And, and especially for the calf kick, you could see by the end of the second, not by the end, but by the midway of the second round, after Dustin's landed a, a, a significant number, McGregor starts catching that leg as Dustin hits. But he's catching the leg and he's not doing it. He's just lifting it up. You know, you have to make Dustin pay for landing that leg kick so if he lands that leg kick and your leg is there you know you're going to take that kick you give everything you you put everything you have in a right or in a left that follows that probably a right because you're standing on your left leg so so probably probably you're right but you make him pay for putting that putting for 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 trying that calf kick because the moment you you try to land that calf kick in that moment, you're committed. And by the, before it even lands, McGregor knows because he's shifting his leg. He's planting his leg. So he knows it's coming. So let it hit. But then you make him pay, right? And so I don't think the calf kick is going to be a narrative in this fight. But what I do think is, you know, again, watching this fight, McGregor actually did better than I thought. But he just, like, the capitulation, once it didn't go his way, was just... It was was a bit like was incredible to see. I also think just in terms of the way that he went about the fight itself, you know, the the way that the the sportsmanship and being super nice to Dustin and you know at the end of the first round touching gloves and all that shit's got to go. You know, it's not that he's going to get in Dustin's head. You know, a lot of people say stuff like that, like oh, you know, he, he does this so that he can get in your head. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's just that. I think it's so he can get in his own head, you know, so that he can be that guy. You know, people really underestimate, especially if you're not fighting yourself, really underestimate the power of your mindset going in, you know. Um, and ultimately, these guys are human beings too. You know, if you feel fear, they feel fear. If you feel anxiety, they feel anxiety. If you feel hesitation... All those emotions are there and they're even more heightened because the consequences, the stakes are so high, right? So in those moments, I think McGregor has to have the mindset of war, 
and that there's no other option. There's nothing outside of this. You know, that's, I think, the thing that I love the most about, even like we talked about with Dustin, the, the deep waters. Being able to go through that type of punishment and knowing that you didn't give up. You know, like, this is unrelated, but if you look at that, like, Max um, Max Holloway, Calvin Cater's fight, to me, obviously, Max won that fight, one of the best performances I've seen, for Max especially. Um, but I also looked at Calvin Cater in that fight as a winner. Don't get me wrong, his coaches should probably have stopped that fight. He took a lot of damage that was unnecessary. Like, that was an unnecessary amount of damage to take. But to know that he could have quit in that fight at any time, Right, And if he quit, even you watching at home, me watching at home, it's not hard for us to, it's hard for us to know. You know, there's sometimes you see somebody shell up and it's just like no mass, no more. Right. But there are other times where you just know like, yo, I'm not going to win this fight. Why am I taking like Calvin Cater probably thought, well, not Calvin, but like other people in his position would think to themselves, I've taken like four rounds of beatings. You know, I'm just going to, like, the next time he goes for a flurry and it lands good, I'm just going to fall. It's going to be called over. Nobody's going to be the wiser. Everybody would just look at it. But Calvin would know. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm talking about is you have to have that mindset that it's death or nothing in these kind of fights, right? Not everybody should have that mindset. Don't get me wrong. So in this fight, honestly, I'm, I'm finding it very hard to pick. Um... I I I feel like my if I if I was being objective I think I would I would make Dustin the favorite only because I think again he knows that this is what he does this is who he is if you see his fights he wants to go into the deep waters he wants to take you there and he wants to go there and I think that is the one thing that McGregor does not like and if I look at who I think is just has more tools, has more skill and all that stuff, I think it's McGregor. And so it's, it's really hard to pick because I think McGregor is, you know, is, is, is probably more talented, but I think Dustin is more willing to put himself on the line in this fight. And so just kind of seeing how that's going to play out, um, it's very interesting. I think, obviously, like I said, McGregor is coming out talking about a different mindset. You know, the other thing, too, is like if McGregor wins, there's so much, so many more possibilities for what comes next. And I think that's another thing that we look at as well is just it's more exciting, if I'm being honest, if, if Conor wins. Because there's so many other fights that can come out of that. So many other big fights. Uh, but if he loses this fight, it's almost it's pretty much the end of an era. Like, he, you know, he becomes like Connor fun fights. You know, we have to put him... We'll probably see the Nate Diaz fight. He might go up to 170 and fight Masvidal, who's coming off a title loss. You know, we'll start seeing him in some of those, you know, big name, big brand fights. But as a title contender, those days are probably done if he loses this fight. So, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to... I'm not going to pick anyone on this one. I'm just going to try to give you as much information as I can and, and let you guys decide. I'm going to do the Gilbert Burns and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson preview next. The next fight I'm going to review is uh, the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight versus Gilbert Burns. Uh, I, I really like these two guys. I'm, I'm kind of sad that one person has to 
lose. You know, this is the kind of fight where you're hoping that, um, you know, that, that they would have paired them with other people. Like, I would really, really love to see the Kobe Covington versus Gilbert Burns fight. Uh, because I, I think, you know, the Kamaru versus Kobe fight is going to be different the second time around. I think Kobe's probably going to try to wrestle more when they, the next time they meet. Um, even if he's not successful, I think he's just going to try to get into those wrestling exchanges a lot more. Um, but with Gilbert, I don't know if anybody wants to wrestle with him because the jiu-jitsu is so phenomenal. Uh, he might be the best um, MMA jiu-jitsu guy that we have now again he, he doesn't use it as much in a lot of the fights uh i don't know if it's from because of the size but nobody wants to find out how good he is for sure so i i don't think anyway that's not the fight that i would have liked to review but i just thought that you know like leon leon edwards versus stephen wonder boy thompson for me would have been a much better fight than leon edwards versus nate nate diaz uh, only because, you know, again, these are two people that are going to strike. These are two people that have similar but contrasting styles as well. And uh, people still have to figure out how to get into Wonder Boy's range successfully. So I would have loved to see those those fights. But, you know, this is still a phenomenal fight to book. This is just a personal thing because I, I really like these two guys. So for me, going into this fight, um, you know, Gilbert Burns lost his last fight against the title fight against Kamara Usman. Um, and I, again, I watched that fight. When you rewatch the fight, you just notice that Gilbert had some success early on. Like he was super aggressive early on. He landed some really good clean shots up the middle. Um, but I, I think that once those shots landed, and he was trying to be aggressive, um, you know, that was when, that that was when, so there, there was a sequence where he he's aggressive, uh, he loses his balance, I think he's trying to go for a head kick or something, loses his balance, balance falls down. This is when Kamara was still a little bit woozy, right? Or at least, you know, not settled, let's put it that way. And, you know, Kamara then keeps uh, Gilbert lying down while he's catching himself. Um, but you could see Gilbert by the second round looked like he was almost fatigued a little bit. He had come out with so much energy and aggression and, and was at a point in the fight where he thought he might have the opportunity to finish Camaro. And it just didn't end up happening for him, right? So um, I think in listening to Gilbert talk since then, he's talked about how that was a learning experience for him and he's going to be better in the next fight. And I do believe he'll be better in this fight. I don't necessarily know if this is the kind of fight that is going to work out in his favor. The problem people have with Wonder Boy is just getting in range, right? Like people talk about Wonder Boy's takedown defense. His takedown defense is great, but it's not because... It's because he doesn't even let people get to his legs to shoot for the takedown, right? And he's, he counters incredibly. So the problem is covering the distance to get to him to even engage in those grappling exchanges, you know? So I, I, it'll be interesting to see what Gilbert's plan is for the, for the fight. Um, 
This one is, is a very tough one for me to pick. I'm leaning towards Stephen Wonderboy Thompson because it's a three-round fight. I think he's the perfect style of fighter to, to win a three-round fight without necessarily doing too much damage. Staying on the outside. Putting out enough volume that he can win the exchanges, but not necessarily enough that he's putting himself at risk. Right, and so I think it. The onus is on Gilbert to cover that distance, and if he's able to, if he's able to take a, a, a secure a takedown, get his jujitsu and grappling into this, I think he has a really good chance. Just very few people are able to do that against Wonderboy, right? So that's where I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do it, and so I'm leaning a little towards um, Wonderboy. But like I said, these two are two of my favorites. Uh, two of the people that I like, like obviously, I I, I really like Kamaru Usman as a champion, but I really like these two welterweights as well, and I, I'm really interested to see how this plays out for both of them. Okay, so there are a number of fights, like I said on on the card that um I'm really looking forward to. I wanted to give you guys some of those and, and things to look out for uh, on the early prelims. You know, again, I, I don't know how, how early you want to start watching these fights, but on the very early prelims, uh, this is before the actual prelim starts. Uh, there's Om- Omari Akhmedov versus Brad Tavares. I think it's going to be an excellent fight. Uh, probably going to be, you know, a fair bit of grappling. So if you're looking for something exciting as far as like knockouts, Maybe not that one. I'm really looking forward to the Jennifer Meyer versus Jessica I fight. Uh, Jennifer Meyer just got her title. Um, she got a chance to fight against um, Shevchenko. She lost, but it, it was one of the more competitive fights we've seen against Shevchenko recently. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how she bounces back from that defeat against Jessica I. Jessica I is also somebody who's you know, competed at a, at a really high level, especially, you know, she's also lost to Shevchenko as well. She's trying to get back there as well. So I think that would be a really great fight for the women's flyweight division. On the prelims, pretty much everything in there is something that I, like, I'm super interested in. There's the South African fighter, uh, Drikus Duplissus, something like that. Um, and you know he's he's I think he he trains out of South Africa and he's one of the few, um, you know, fighters who trains out of Africa in Africa that is actually fighting in the UFC. Obviously, we have African champions. A lot of them train out of the states. So I'm interested to see. He he's 15 and two and has a pretty decent record. He's fighting against Trevin Giles, who's also uh, who's also been doing well recently. So that's an exciting fight. Ryan Hall versus. Uh, Ilya Tupora, that's an, a phenomenal fight, I think. It's sneaky good fight. Tupora is undefeated. Ryan Hall is 8-1 and one and has not been able to fight a, find a fight for about two years and has been on the rise, so that's a, a really interesting one. Uh, Michael Pereira versus Nico Price. Another one, Carlos Condit versus Matt Griffin. Another one. Again, this fight is just stacked, right? Like, even even the, the actual pay-per-view itself, we have Sugar Sean O'Malley back, um... You know, unfortunately, his original opponent kind of fell out, so he has a short notice replacement who is fighting his first fight in the UFC. I don't, I've never seen him fight. I don't know what to expect. I, I think we can anticipate uh, Sugar Sean taking that one. Um, when then we have even Ty Tuvasa versus Greg Hardy as well. So that's a great. Those are those are all great fights. Uh, so if you're looking for, you know, 
fights to look out for. Those are some of the ones that I would pick. You know, those are that's most of the card, to be honest. Uh, so, you know, please take a look at those ones. Um, and I'm excited for this card. So thank you for getting to the end of another episode. Uh, like I said, this is the Fight or Flight podcast. My name is Lanray. Um, I will be, I am on Twitter, same handle. So Fight Flight MMA. Please reach out if you have any questions, if you just want to talk. Um, tomorrow, I'll probably be kind of active on Twitter, you know, putting out uh, just as we go to the fight, even before the fight, just kind of talking about the stuff that's happening. Um, once again, thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day. I will do another episode after the fight to kind of go over the results from um, the pay-per-view. Have fun and enjoy a good night of fights. <laughs>